This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast, episode 198. And that was just the start of the journey. And it was hard because it was such a different way of teaching with the fitness world. It was all just cheerleading and rah-rah and very upbeat. And this was like helping people calm down and it was just totally different. But I liked it. Something about it, I mean, it was my favorite thing that I did. I think because I saw people release so much stress in such a short amount of time. This has happened to your career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow. Going to sleep, waking up, and just going through a brutal job. And weekends being crazy short and Sunday being like, oh, I gotta go work again on Monday. (laughs) Eric was a burnt out engineer who wanted to move several states away to be able to find a career in a company that he absolutely loved. It seemed like getting a really awesome job was really hard to do. Listen for Eric's story later on in the episode to learn how he used coaching to be able to make a change to a job that he loved. I got the confidence to believe that making a transition like this could happen, which is huge. This is Scott Anthony Barlow, and you are listening to Happen to Your Career, the show that helps you figure out what work fits you by exploring other stories. We get to bring on experts like Mark Mawenny, who takes a ready, fire, aim approach to business and is a business coach helping other coaches, and people like Eric Murphy, who left an unsustainable job and moved to a new city to find a career that allowed him to achieve his goal of effective altruism. And improve the world every single day. These are people that are just like you. They've gone from where they are to what they really want to be doing. Today's guest is Angela Wagner. I own a yoga studio, so that part's easy. I can say I teach yoga, but other side of coaching is so multifaceted that it's definitely something I'm working on as far as explaining to people. But essentially, I take what I know from my yoga and mindfulness training And I help people apply that to their lives and working through whatever it is that they need to work through without actually doing yoga unless they want to. If you listen to my conversation with Angela, we get very deep into how decluttering your physical environment, even even things like shirt folding can release stress and provide more clarity in your life. If that sounds absurd, then wait till you listen to about two thirds of the way in. You'll, you'll love it. And you'll pick up a few things that, uh, that you didn't know were going to be useful. And also, we talk about how all of your experiences and education and training can combine to help you form your own career or find the career that fits or even potentially your own business. And even if, if you're going after your own thing, then a passion pursuit on the side of your full-time job can actually become a full-time business and full-time career in of itself. That's right. So today, Angela combines together yoga and mindfulness, including methods of decluttering and all that shirt folding that we talked about and plenty of other things to be able to help her clients grow both in life coaching and at her studio through yoga. Angela has a pretty amazing story of how she got to where she is now. Where does it start? Isn't that always such a great question? Yes. And I love when people ask that because it feels like a world ago. So I like to kind of revisit the roots of it all. Let's revisit. 
Yes, because in three days, I'm turning 40. And so it's kind of a milestone week. And I was just graduating college when I got into yoga. So it's like half my life ago. (laughs) Yeah. So I was in an advertising job, which I loved the work. I was doing small advertising agency stuff, which sounded super sexy and cool at the time. And at night I would teach group fitness classes, which I loved. I loved fitness. I would always go to like step class with my mom. I always thought I'm going to be an aerobics instructor on the side and have fun. And I got my personal training cert. And the job when I moved to Dallas, I was really unhappy. I got really depressed. And one of the gyms I was teaching at, they offered yoga. And this was back when yoga was just kind of getting into gyms, but it was still kind of weird. Yeah. Now it's cool. And now it's socially acceptable across the United States and the hip thing to do. Oh, totally. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, back then it was maybe two classes on the schedule at a mainstream gym. And it was very like, no one really knew what it was. And so all I knew was, hey, I'm stressed and I've heard this can help. And so I went in and I did it and I was terrible. And it's so bad that the teacher came up to me. The teacher even brought one of her prize students over and was like, can you help me fix her chaturanga? I don't know what's going on here. And like said that in front of the whole class. (laughs) Well, one, I'm surprised you kept going and that's awesome. And two, what happened from there? Yeah. So that's one of my lesson. Number one is don't listen to the negativity, but I'm just stubborn. I'm Italian by nature. And so I was like, screw you. I'm going to do this. (laughs) I accept your challenge. That's right. I was so bad. And you know, I was really fit, but yoga is just different. And so yeah, I liked the challenge and I also knew there was something in it for me because it was kind of making me stressed, not stressed, but it was challenging me in a way that was different. So I knew something was there. So I then I started, I joined a yoga studio and I just started going all the time and I loved it so much that I ended up getting trained to teach. Very cool. And as you got trained, I'm curious, what was that like for you getting trained to teach and what prompted you to? Well, what's funny is what prompted me to was my group fitness boss manager said, I need a yoga teacher and I need you to get trained. (laughs) (laughs) That's enough. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, okay, Melissa, but I teach spin and I taught all the format, all the group fitness stuff, but yoga is different. So she sent me to a weekend training, which by the way, you should never do a weekend training and then go teach yoga. That's not acceptable anymore, (laughs) but that's what I did. And that was just the start of the journey. And it was hard because it was such a different way of teaching with the fitness world. It was all just cheerleading and rah-rah and very upbeat. And this was like helping people calm down and was just totally different. But I liked it. Something about it. I mean, it was my favorite thing that I did. I think because I saw people release so much stress in Mm. such a short amount of time. And everybody needs that as it turns out. It's true. And yoga is another way to be able to do that. So what happened from there? I'm super curious. Weekend classing it up as a yoga teacher, you're starting to really enjoy that. You are seeing all these people release stress. What happened in between there and now? Yeah, it's kind of a blur. So what actually happened was I was really unhappy in my job. It just wasn't a positive environment. It was very focused on money. My clients were very rich, high-end Dallas people. And oh gosh, I was in my early 20s. I was so impressionable. I knew that this wasn't the world I really wanted to be in. This stuff wasn't important to me. Like $200 Gucci belts, not my thing. Yeah. They're also not my thing as it turns out. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I look back and I think it was actually abusive. My boss would actually make fun of me for what I wore. And now I'm like, hmm. But 
I just know that I knew I was so happy when I would leave and I would go to the gym and really help people. And so I was looking for another job in the marketing world, couldn't find one and then got laid off. So the universe was just like, hey, this isn't for you. So sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And so for about a year and a half, I decided, okay, I'm going to do this full time. I love it. I'm going to teach. I taught at eight different locations around Dallas, Fort Worth. I did personal training and I was broke and exhausted. So it was cool for a while, but then just not sustainable. And I thought, what am I doing? Like, I don't know what's going on. And I loved working with my clients. Like I'm very much people person. So I love that connection. But my brain wanted like another challenge, that kind of business side of life. I missed that. So the next natural step is yoga and business. Yoga and business. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Tell me more. (laughs) Yeah. So I honestly don't know where the idea came from. It might've been probably me, something I thought of. This when studios were starting to pop up for sure. I taught and I still teach a style called power yoga. So it's very athletic. So a lot of people are attracted to it, especially people like me that are type A's that don't know how to relax. So we could get a physical workout and be athletic. So I thought this could really be something where people can go, they can check off their fitness box for those of us that are obsessive about that. But then also their self-care, which is so it's usually put at the bottom of the list. And I also wanted to create a really safe, fun environment for people in Dallas because I really struggled when I moved here. It can be a tough city when you first move, especially as a young person. It's very big. And until you find your people and your niche, you can feel kind of lost. So I thought, find a place, create a place for people to go to. That's interesting that you said create a place for people to go to. And where does that come from? What really prompted you in that particular case to actually bite the bullet and and create that place? Because it sounds like there was certainly this progression that led up to there. So what was the catalyst to actually do it? Yeah. Gosh, I really wish I knew. I do think a lot of it had to do with the support of my dad. So my dad is a dreamer and he was in a career his whole life that he didn't enjoy, but he made good money. And that's kind of like he had the external expectations of my grandma and the world that said, you make money, you're successful. And so he always wanted to be a history teacher. And I think part of him always still kind of regrets not doing that. So his kind of mission for his kids, for my brother and I was to encourage us to do what we love. And now my brother conducts operas and (laughs) I do what I do. So I love it. I'm like, well, your plan worked. We're like (laughs) the total weird kids. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And so he said to me, if you really want to do this, and I didn't have any money. So he gave me the initial kind of money and said, here. And he just literally gave me wings and let me do what I wanted. And I think that was a huge part of it because growing up, my parents were so supportive in that way that it wasn't just like, oh, do what you want. But it was like, we're going to do everything we possibly can to make sure that happens. This is super interesting for me. I've got kids that are six through 10, almost 10. I can't believe I have a 10 year old. How did that happen? (laughs) Anyhow, so uh, this is very much on my mind right now. Like what you just said in terms of supporting them in that way, because obviously, I mean, I run a business where (laughs) that is what we do for everybody else in the world. So uh, why wouldn't I want to do that for my kids as well? So this is, I'm soaking this up. This is fantastic. And it sounds like this has certainly been a theme throughout the entire life because your dad's been present there and he had all these external expectations placed on him. So he's like, hey, not going to happen for my kids. And that eventually led to this influx point where you decided, hey, this is it. I'm going to try this. This is your dream, for lack of a better phrase. 
Absolutely. And I love business. I did love marketing, all of that stuff that I was trained in in college in my first couple jobs. I thought this is cool because one of my favorite thing was branding and working with the designers. And I thought, ooh, I could create my own brand. And that was like my favorite part of opening the studio. Yeah. So I just thought there's a lot of things here that I love and that I'm good at that I can create something and contribute to it. I will say, to be really honest, I don't like to speak negatively of people, but I did have an experience where a local studio that I was going to at the time that was one of the only power studios in town that was great. I loved it. I saw the teacher at Whole Foods one day and she pretended like she didn't know who I was. And literally I passed her and it was so weird, but it was that weird clicky Dallas thing that I really couldn't stand. And I just thought, oh, I never, ever want anyone to feel that way and have yoga be part of that. And it was really cool because the other day we're redoing our website at the yoga studio and the photographer that shot our wedding 10 years ago or seven years ago. Yeah. She did some photography for it. And she texted me last night. She said, I just love the community created. It's just so cool to see so many different types of people from all walks of life, all body sizes, everything and genders, races. She's like, it was just so awesome. And I literally, my heart melted because I thought, I did it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! Yay! You know? (laughs) So yeah, it's been a pleasure. I mean, it's been challenging and awesome and all those things that you own your own business. So I'm super curious from your perspective too, because we get tons of people that come to us saying, hey, I'm really interested in running my own business. And on one hand, when we start to dig down, we find often that one of the promptings for that is like having the freedom and flexibility that can go with your own business. However, I think also that a lot of people don't realize everything else that goes into your own business. And while I love it and had multiple businesses and wouldn't have it any other way, I'm not sure it's necessarily for everybody. So I'm super curious on your perspective on that, having run a couple of different types of businesses. Absolutely. I think you have to really spend some time thinking about why you want to do it and also getting some good information and realistic information about what it takes. Because I'm all about being a dreamer and I'm all about following that. But I've seen it time and time again over the years of people I've coached that are super interested in the sexiness of it all. (laughs) I mean, it's super sexy to be like, I own a yoga studio in Dallas, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But man, behind the scenes, it's sometimes pretty ugly and not ugly from a place of torture, but really freaking hard work and crazy long hours and the things that you don't know about the expenses and the amount of members that are leaving. And all of a sudden you've got to make that up to be able to pay your teachers and, you know, just all this stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a perpetual roller coaster of new things and things that you wouldn't expect, I would say. And there's just so much that falls into that category that you can barely even begin to define that. And then it's something new the next day. And personally, I love that. I thrive on that. But I also know many people where that scares the living crap out of them. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're used to having a schedule. I was sort of fortunate. I was 26 when I opened the studio. So I had only been in the quote real world for three years. Then I did the personal training thing, which wasn't a nine to five. So I wasn't conditioned to go to a desk and be, I mean, I don't think I've ever had Saturday off because I've always even just taught fitness classes on Saturdays. So my husband is a golf professional and he teaches golf. And so people are like, oh my gosh, you guys work on Saturdays? And I'm like, we both have literally, Saturday is just a day we work. I had a manager that quit because she didn't want to work on Saturdays. And so I get it. 
There's a lot of different things you have to think about in the business that you want to create. What does that look like long term? And is that something I'm okay with? Well, and I think that's true for the rest of life too, like really defining what you want and what are you not just okay with, but what are you after in the first place? (laughs) Recognizing that if you're going to build a business or any type of career for that matter, I guess, then what goes along with that particular type? Or <laughs> or go choose something else. Yeah, right? or go choose something else. Yes. <laughs> yeah, which is okay. I think a lot of times people are stuck on this idea that whatever they wanted to go towards is what they have to keep doing. And sometimes halfway along the way, when we realize these things, we realize, oh, this isn't really what I want to do. And that's okay. Then I'm sure you guys talk about this all the time. Then you can always change your mind. Yes. Yes. About that. And speaking of changing your mind, I think that you can also add in other things. And I'm super curious too. I mean, you've got the yoga studio still at this point, but then you begin to serve other types of clients as well. Where did that happen? It was kind of a natural progression. So the style of yoga that I teach is called Baptiste Power Yoga. And my teacher, Baron Baptiste, he's really a master at personal development. So Mm. his trainings and that's not the little weekend one that I started with. Then I (laughs) immediately went and found something a little more meaty and real. And so I trained with Baron for years and years. And we'd go to these eight day trainings where we would just delve so deep into who we are and cry our eyes out and do like ridiculous amounts of yoga and come out feeling completely changed. I mean, it really is magic. And the whole style is rooted in that idea that it's not just doing physical postures, but working into a deeper place within yourself. So really getting in touch with your intuition and your feelings and your choices and all that. So even though a lot of people come into the studio and they want a physical workout and they walk out and they're like, that was an awesome workout, what generally keeps them coming back, that there's something bigger for them, something they're working through. And that's why a lot of people talk about yoga as being life changing. And you know, when you look at it from afar, you're like, they're just moving their body, you know? <laughs> How is that life changing? What is going on in there? Like, yeah, like you're just doing a weird thing with your body. And yeah. some styles are like that for sure. And that's awesome too. But this style is really known for and rooted in helping people get something deeper and really inspire them. And that's the part that kept me coming back because mm. I trained with all kinds of teachers and I just kept going back to him. I'm like, there's just, oh, there's something here. So long story short, I wanted to do that and really learn more about it beyond just yoga. So that's when I got into life coaching. And a woman that I trained with created a coaching program called Yoga Life Coaching that was essentially based in all the stuff we did, but wasn't actually yoga. So I did that training and then I came back to the studio. This was about seven years ago, 2010. The studio, I still said, still a yoga program. You're still going to do yoga. But then we would do meetings and it was all working through different types of things in your life. A lot of the coaching stuff. And it was really amazing to see. And it's cool because I created my first one. It's called Spark. And now that's how I launched my online coaching business was I actually redid that program and made it an online program. So it's kind of like my baby, my coaching baby. Very cool. (laughs) Yeah. Grinding me to a pulp. That's Eric Murphy. We asked him what life was like before he made the change to his new career. Sounds exaggerated, but that's how I felt sometimes. Okay, it was pretty obvious that Eric wanted to make a change, right? But he didn't have a lot of time, and his job took a lot of energy out of him. Weekends being crazy short, and Sunday being like, oh, I gotta go work again on Monday. (laughs) And that's exactly why Eric hired our team to help him make this change much, much easier. I think one of the biggest benefits of 
have in career coaching is when you're dealing with offers, et cetera, when you're in the thick of job searches, it's good to be able to email or text or call you to say, hey, like this situation popped up, how would you handle it? That's also extremely useful. And a lot of your techniques, for example, writing handwritten Nike notes to everyone that you have conversations with, I wouldn't have thought of that. It made a massive impression. When Guy made me the offer, he had the handwritten thank you note in his hand. And it was like, this is very great. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was really cool. Congratulations to Eric on making the change to a career that he absolutely loves. If you want to make the change to a career that fits you and pays you more, find out how coaching can help you step by step. Go over to happentoyourcareer.com and click on coaching to be able to apply. Or you can text my coach, that's M-Y coach, to 44222. That's my coach to 44222. Pause right now and we'll send over your application. See you there. So you had the coaching baby then. And I know one of the things you and I have chatted about it before we hit the record button, but also I read about it on your website. And I know that one of the interesting things that you do with many of your clients as they come on board is begin this process of decluttering. So I'm super curious about that. What is that even? And how does that work? How does that tie into yoga and coaching and all the 1500 other things that we've talked about now? I know. It's so funny. So much of what we do at the surface looks like, what is this? This is not what I came for. You know, I came for a life change and you're making me clean out my fridge. What is going on? So over the past, I don't know, four or so years, well, I started with organizing because I had a friend that was a professional organizer and I was so fascinated. So I basically bought all these bins and organized everything and labeled it. And I was like, this is amazing. And I felt so much better. But then what I realized was I was just taking all my crap, really, and putting it in boxes and labeling it. So I slowly started to really delve into books and websites and blogs on minimalism and simplifying and decluttering. And I'm certainly not a minimalist. If you came to my house, my kids have toys and their stuff. But this whole idea, it just really went along with all of the yoga and mindfulness and coaching that I'm trained in and everything that I work on in myself is like, yes, there's something about this because I was so stressed, Scott. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I think it was yeah. when I started having babies. That's what it was. Like my son is three now. So yeah, it was just around that time. And I think because I was home, I was exhausted. I was on maternity leave and I'm like, I have all this stuff around me. You know? <laughs> so I started to really look at that and not think of it from a place of organizing, but just getting rid of things that don't serve me. And so I have found it to be unbelievable with some of the programs I do in the studio and with my individual clients. Again, there's tears around organizing, right? Around decluttering, because there's so much more to it. There's a reason people keep stuff. There's a reason we buy stuff that we shop. So there's so many amazing deep layers to the decisions that we make. And also just we don't realize sometimes the amount of stress we have, like sitting at a desk with just tons of stuff around you that says, this is all the stuff you're not getting done is stressful. So give me an example of that. What's an example of maybe one or two clients that you've worked with and what they were experiencing and what it did for them? Okay. So I have this one woman, <laughs> this always comes to mind when people ask about it. Yeah. So she was a clutter bug for sure. I mean, she just had stuff at her house and she was overweight as well. So she just kind of carried a lot of her baggage on the outside, right? Physically in her body and in her house. So we worked through a lot of that and it was so awesome for her to break through because we worked through like what was really going on. And a lot of it stemmed from an old relationship. It was maybe a year or so ago that she had. 
she hadn't dealt with it. So she started to just go and shop and buy stuff. And then she put on a bunch of weight. So we went through this whole process and the whole group was like supporting her. And so she went through this awesome clean out. And then we checked in with her two weeks later and she still had all the stuff and the mattress sitting in this one room in her house. Like she wouldn't actually physically take it out and give it to Goodwill. Yeah. And so it was just that next layer. It was like, oh, okay. So there's more, right? So it was just really cool because by the end, one of the girls from the training actually went physically went over to her house and helped her do it. And it was amazing, right? That this huge release in the mattress was kind of really symbolic because he lived with her. So, oh gosh, I'm getting chills now just talking about it. But to see what she looked like and felt like after that was amazing. What ended up happening for her? Well, she certainly lost some weight and she found someone that she loves and that she has a great relationship with. So it was a block that she released. So it's not like a magic pill. I mean, just like anything. When you do, let me know, Angela. (laughs) Yeah, we'll share in it and we'll be (laughs) bajillionaires sitting on the beach somewhere. But yeah, no, it's a process. So if it's something you haven't considered, I often tell people, just start with the one place in your house that stresses you out the most. And even the simplest things like, I can't find my car keys, right? So if you added up all the times you lost something and you had to search for it because you have so much stuff that you don't need and use, even to this day. So I have a business coach and I was interviewing her for my podcast and I'm sitting with my microphone right now where I am with you and I opened up my desk And I had organized everything. So I was so proud of it because she's a minimalist for sure. And she was talking about her life before as an organizer, blah, blah, blah. And I was looking at my desk and I'm going, oh, I still have so much stuff in here that I don't need. (laughs) So I did a clean out. I did a before and after. And I was just amazed because she's like, you don't need 3000 paper clips. You need like four. Yes. Because how much paper do you use? Yeah. I don't even barely use paper anymore. You're making me think about Okay, so here's context, backstory. My wife and I moved nine times over 12 years, so we couldn't keep very much stuff. Or if we did, then we were finding we're going to have to put it in storage or any number of other things, right? So we ended up getting rid of a lot of stuff again and again and again and again. Then at some place in there too, we ended up paying off a bunch of debt. And part of the way that we did that is we ended up selling a whole bunch of stuff. So all that happened. And then eventually we started this business came here, we've got a studio in our house where I'm talking to you from now. And we've done several remodels of the studio. And every single time I condense and condense and condense and keep finding that I actually need less stuff. And it's like, how did I survive before? It what keeps going through my head. So now there's basically a table in here, no bookshelves, nothing else, and everything's still fine. And it feels so much less stressful. And I didn't even know that I was carrying that in this previous studio that really didn't feel like it had that much stuff in it at the time. So it's a weird, weird mental phenomenon, but it just feels so much better. It's so much easier to work. It's so much easier to focus. It's phenomenal. It's a place I want to be. Oh, that's so awesome. I mean, it really is unbelievable. I always tell people like, clean out your stuff. It's life-changing. And they laugh at me. I'm like, no, really? (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. You don't understand. Yeah. With my client, obviously, there was something deeper as to like why she was keeping it. I've had a lot of women that have clothes in their closet that are just ridiculous amounts of clothes that they clearly don't use or need, stuff that doesn't fit them. Sometimes it's because they've changed careers and they are not ready to let go of that. Sometimes it's because they've either lost or gained weight and they're Mm. afraid. There's so much mental stuff in there. Or some people shop for therapy 
because we talk about this a lot on my podcast. I went to Home Goods the other day and I went for like three very specific reasons to buy three items. Yeah. And everything I wanted to buy, I just was like, oh, I mean, and I literally had to fight myself. I was like, oh, this water pitcher, you can put lemon in. I love fruit and water. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you put fruit in your water every day. You don't need this pitcher. So I took a picture of it literally and put it on my blog. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> here's the thing I didn't buy. And now like a month later, I'm laughing. I'm like, yeah, no, I didn't need that. Oh, but you feel like you do at the time. I love when someone said this to me, it made so much sense. You spend so much of your life buying your stuff, organizing your stuff, cleaning your stuff, and then getting rid of your stuff. Someone said to me, think about when you buy something, how is that going to affect your life from the time you buy it all the way through to the time you give it away? And is it worth that? And I thought, ooh. It's so interesting when you look at it from the opportunity cost perspective. And then for somebody like me, both me and my wife are this way, like we'll research something to death before we buy it, especially if it's a purchase over $75, then we will spend sometimes hours <laughs> researching. And then it's like, why? Because I mean, we're going to end up inevitably selling it or throwing away whatever it is in a couple of years. And did we really need that much anyways? And it's not just the cost of housing and storing that like you're talking about. It's also the fringe time that goes around it. Oh, absolutely. And your listeners are really looking at big life changes. So I think this is a great thing yeah. for them to be doing. And when you start to really look at and analyze what you do have and what you are keeping, it can really help you get some clarity on what it is that you do want. What are you holding on to? Past thoughts, past identities, past jobs. I mean, I held on to just a lot of stuff that I thought, well, eventually I'm going to need this. I do a teacher training every year for yoga and the manual is not that different. I mean, I change it a little bit, but certainly I'm only going to use the most recent because I'm not going to use the one from 10 years ago, but I had them all. I think I feel like I'm erasing my history if I get rid of these. And one day I just had a shredding party. I was like, just keep the last one. You know? <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay. So I have two big questions for you, but the first of which is just out of curiosity, have you gotten rid of anything that you regret getting rid of? I want to say no, but there's definitely been, I think, maybe two times, but I can't even remember what those items were, but it was more <laughs> like, oh, that cord. I now have to go buy that cord. Yeah. But I had 80 cords. And so, okay, I've got to go spend $10. It's still probably better. So very minimal. Maybe sometimes if my kids freak out, if I throw something away from them, but I swear they teach me like my son, I'm like, do you want this toy? This? He's like, nope, 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 nope. He doesn't want any of it. I'm like, okay, why do we have all this? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so here's the second big question then. How does somebody get started doing this? I think it could be overwhelming. Speaking from past experience many years ago, like the first time that Alyssa and I tried to do this and tried to go through and figure out, hey, how are we going to go from this amount of stuff to less stuff? And we had to move, so we had to. So we had pressure to do that. But how does somebody get started and where can they get started so it's not overwhelming at the same time? So I don't end up having a mattress with tons of stuff in the middle of my floor and you know, not being able to get rid of it. Yeah, I think there's a couple ways. And I think it depends on your personality and what makes sense for you. Because some people are do it all now or don't do it at all. So if you're someone that is just like, let me just dabble in this, then I would just start with next time you walk in your house, look around and throughout that day, just notice where are you the most stressed? Just what room in the house are you the most stressed in and why? I can't tell you how many of my clients 
have piles of their mail or they don't go to their mailbox and just listening to the story gives me anxiety. I'm like, oh, (laughs) but they have this crazy weird thing around. They just, they're avoiding dealing with stuff that's in their mail. I mean, it's insane. So that might be it is your dining room table. So it might just be something like that or a file cabinet where you have credit card bills from college. Let's let those things go. So start with one simple area. And I usually tell people to do an hour, one dedicated hour. And usually if you do that and you put on your favorite playlist or podcast, I know this guy, Scott, that has a great podcast. (laughs) I'm a little biased, Um, but I agree. Yeah. I'm telling you, podcasts have changed my life. Not only hosting one, but listening to them. Oh, Oh, it makes everything so happy. And then you'll do it for an hour and you just get this energy. And all of a sudden you're cleaning out. I mean, it really is infectious. Or there's a great book. Well, some people consider it great. Some people are think it's too much. It's Marie Kondo. Have you heard of her? I haven't. What's the name of the book? The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And I can send you the link and her follow-up book called Spark Joy. Now, she's very extreme. She's a Japanese organizer, declutterer, this huge new movement. She's got cult-like following. But she really thinks you need to do it all at once. So a lot of her stuff is a little extreme, but I learned a lot of techniques that I apply now, especially through the second book that gives you more of the how-tos. Sure. But she's so extreme to the point of she tells you to take your shampoo bottles out of the shower, wipe them off, put them away after every shower. And I'm like, no, not doing that. I'm okay not doing that. No, that's not going to change my life, but that's just going to annoy me. So I think with any of these things, you just have to figure out what serves you, what doesn't. So those are some ways. But I have a free email challenge that you can go to my website and it's seven days to make your life sparkle challenge. And each day I just send you one thing that you can do in your house. And then I give you a bonus challenge. And some of them are physical things in your house. And then we also get into some digital stuff, which that's a whole nother episode. But it is so easy to just build up all that digital stuff. Oh my goodness. Yes. And it happens rapidly. (laughs) And I mean, we run a digital business here, so that makes sense. But I think in other areas of life, it just, it can happen ridiculously. Here's the thing that I've learned too, is that it's different for different people where they're carrying that stress too. So for some people, it is the condensation on the shampoo bottles. And for other people, it's the, oh my goodness, I have seven folders that feel unorganized and I'm just carrying it on my brain and I know that I should do it, but I'm not doing anything about it. And it's leaking into other stuff and I don't even know it's there in the back of my mind until it's gone. Yes, it's true. (laughs) Sadly true. (laughs) (laughs) So for people that are listening, then a couple of big takeaways that I had from what you said was As you're getting started in a decluttering type of process, where do you notice that you're carrying this stress or experiencing more stress and starting with that one room or one place and starting with that one simple space and then giving yourself an hour to be able to do that and then taking that and applying it from there? Yeah. Is that fair? And then for more, head on over and get the seven days to make your life sparkle. Yeah. I mean, I think it just starts small. For most people, that's going to be a good start. And then when you get the energy and the motivation to continue, you can either just continue or you could read a book like Marie's or whatever. Then you're going to seek it out because it'll be something that, you know, anytime we gain something then we're like, oh, let me find out more about it. But just give it a shot because it really will affect your life in so many ways. It's really unbelievable. Even my husband's like, 
Oh my gosh. We fold everything differently. So Marie Kondo has this folding method, which I thought she was crazy. Like you fold all your stuff. So it looks basically you open your drawer and it looks like your clothes are filed. And I fought it forever. I was like, I'm not doing this. This is nutty. But now I'm super curious. (laughs) I know I can send you pictures. You can see everything in your drawer. Scott, it's brilliant. I have four empty drawers now. I just do because I refolded everything and everything fits better. So you know how when you stack, say, like your T-shirts, like you don't know what's on the bottom and then that one gets smushed to the back and then a year from now you pull everything out and you're like, oh, there's that T-shirt I had. That <laughs> <laughs> now I don't wear anymore because of what yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes, please send me the pictures. I'm super curious now. And we've resorted to hanging a lot of stuff because we can't figure any other way to be able to see it all, which isn't a good solution for everything. So. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, Marie's like anti-hanging. So it's kind of funny. She's overly on the other side, just like fold everything. But (laughs) I have found it to be incredibly useful. So I will send you any and all of my resources and get you on board. My husband still doesn't know how to do the folding. So he leaves that to me, but he loves it when it's done. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I'll tell you what, for everybody listening who may also be curious, I'll take a couple of these pictures and we'll put them up on the page. And that way you can be able to see too. Yes. This is so very cool. I so appreciate you having this conversation and making the time and taking the time. And for people that must know more, must know more about you or your yoga studio or decluttering or anything else, how can they get more, Angela? Oh, well, so my yoga studio website is yogasportdallas.com. So you can read about that there. And then everything I do that's coaching based and all the stuff we talked about today is at AngelaWagnerCoaching.com. So you can check it all out there and my podcast and all the goodies and stuff are there. But I just want to thank you for letting me share because I love this stuff and I love talking to other people that are helping others in the same type of way. So yeah, yeah, I do too, as it turns out. It's a win-win. Thank you. Thank you again for one, making this a super fun conversation. And then two, absolutely making the time and coming on the show. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a great one. If you're in the place where Angela was many years ago, trying to figure out what was a great fit and what could be a great fit, then here's what I would suggest for you. Head on over to figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. And you can go through our eight-day mini course that helps you get started figuring out exactly what would be great for you, your career, your life, your side business, whatever, whatever it is. It helps you prioritize and understand what's going to be most important to you. Get started right now. Here's two easy ways to do that. You can go over to figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. Or you can pause this episode and text HAPPEN, H-A-P-P-E-N to 44222. I hope you do that. We'll see you over there inside the mini course. And I so appreciate you hanging out with us today. And we've had even more people go and take the time to rate and review our podcast. That means the world to us and our team. And it helps other people find the show at the same time. So I've got another one here. This is five-star review, making it still 100% five-star review. That just blows my mind. There aren't as far as I know, that many podcasts out there that have 100% five-star reviews over 100. And uh, this one's from Londoner1235. 
from the UK, as you might imagine. (laughs) And they say, honestly, this podcast is best for anyone thinking about the career, whether you're convinced you need a radical change or just have some doubts about whether or not you're fulfilled. This podcast helps you get intentional about your career. It is also very helpful to know I wasn't alone or weird or that there are many, many very roundabout routes to find happiness and build your CV. They don't have to be opposing goals. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. You're not weird. <laughs> this is this is a place to learn that, among other things. And I, I so appreciate you taking the time to share your feedback. And we would ask you to do the exact same thing. Take 30 seconds and head on over to iTunes, head on over to Stitcher, wherever it is that, that you listen to podcasts. Send us a rating and review and help other people be able to find the show and ultimately get to work that they absolutely love. And speaking of work that absolutely love. We have so much more coming up for you next week, right here on Happen to Your Career. Take a listen for what we've got in store for you. It started really early and then I started being able to funnel those things into actual skills. I have to have an email because I have to be able to submit my stories to Oprah. This isn't the thing that I'm supposed to change. This is the thing that I'm I'm supposed to be bold enough to take forward. You know, the frustration for a long time was like, how the heck do you make a business out of that? What does that even mean for me? All that, plenty more next week on Monday. We'll be right back with you right here on Happen to Your Career. Until then, I am out. Adios. And that's it, I think. Boom. Ba-boom. 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 Hello? Hold on. Okay, I think that's it. Hey, HTYCers, this is Joshua Rivers. I am coming to you here at the end of the episode to let you know that we are really working on episode number 200. That's coming up very, very soon. And we are trying to do something special to be able to surprise Scott. And so we're trying to assemble a lot of different things. And what we would really love to be able to do is be able to get feedback from you. So the way you can be able to do that is go to happentoyourcareer.com slash VM for voicemail. happentoyourcareer.com slash VM. That will allow you to be able to record a short voice message and you can leave a message for Scott And that would be something that would be really appreciative. So you can, uh, I guess, whatever feedback you want. And so you can make some kind of comment about the podcast, some way that the podcast has helped you say thank you to Scott for all the work that he's put in over the last several years to be able to make it to episode 200 of this podcast. And so I know that would be something that we can be able to do to really show our appreciation for Scott. Many of us that are working on the HTYC team have actually been a result of listening to the podcast and working with Scott. And now we are working with him so we can be able to help you. And so we definitely all would appreciate being able to hear from you. And then we'd be able to get your voice 
on the podcast as well. And who knows who your voice might be able to help. And so that is what I would like to leave you with today. Again, you can go to happentoyourcareer.com slash VM.